0: Hello. Today we have Carl Crazy, number seven, also known as Crazy Carl, in the 2021 Scooter Cannonball. 2021 was your first Scooter Cannonball, but before we get into that, let's get you introduced. So, two questions. First, unrelated to scooters and motorcycles, off the bike. Who are you? Where are you from? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, so I'm 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 living currently in a suburb of Dayton, Ohio. Um, transplant here after college, but I grew up an Army brat. So I lived in a lot of different places, mostly in the southeastern United States. I worked for a consumer finance company doing um, a variety of different roles in credit and risk, primarily integrating systems and new products with uh, retail partners. I, uh, I like to play tennis, although I haven't been doing so recently. I also <laughs> like the snow ski. Uh, maybe I'll get some of that in later yeah. uh, if it ever snows. But yeah, that, that's me in a nutshell.
0: So on two wheels. When did you start riding, and you know, when was that? What was it, and how did you eventually end up in the scooter cannibal?
1: Yeah, so I, I rode some mini bikes when I was pretty little, probably up until about eight years old. I rode mini bikes and little dirt bikes uh, around the different army bases that we lived on. But then I really didn't get in back into two wheels until I was an adult, back in about two thousand eleven, I guess um i i had a really reasonable commute it was you know off the highways and whatnot so i was looking for something small and fun i actually was thinking about buying a vespa or something like that and uh, ultimately i wound up winning my first scooter at piaggio fly in a church raffle and uh you know just one of those weird things you know the the person that was at work and was kind of pestering me or whatever it's like yeah yeah I'll, i'll get a ticket from you next week and and uh, suddenly, you know, it comes time. She's like, "Look, I need to sell you this ticket. By the way, here's a list of the prizes." And they, it was it was a fundraiser for the church choir to go to a national competition. And so I was like, "Sure, you know, why not?" And I looked through the list and sure enough, It says there's a Vespa for he has one of the prizes. I was like, "Well, hell, I'll I'll get involved in that." So I bought a handful of tickets. And about two weeks later, she she emails me at work. Says, "Guess what? <laughs> you won, you won the grand prize." So um, a little bit misleading, I was a little disappointed in that it said it was a Vespa, but it was really just a leftover old stock at the Piaggio dealer, but a nice little Piaggio Fly 150. And uh, I rode that for several years, put about 20,000 miles on that. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah.
1: Um, I, I, did, uh, I did some modifications to it, put a Melosi Big 4 kit on it. Uh, up gear kit so i actually still own it it's a pretty quick bike but i haven't ridden it in a while but um you know I, I really started enjoying riding long distances we've got a small scooter club here uh, in the dayton area and i connect a lot with folks in cincinnati and columbus so sort of they visualize geographically that triangle of southwestern ohio um there's there's a fair number of good riders and um and yeah so i enjoy doing some adventures I, I've done long trips. I did one long trip solo uh, in preparation for Cannonball back in 2019. Uh, I did an eight-day solo trip down Blue Ridge Parkway to Tail of the Dragon, uh, and then back home. Uh, it was eight days, 1,500 miles, but doesn't seem like a whole lot of mileage. But it was the day, it was the hours <laughs> in the saddle that uh, that I was really looking forward to doing day after day after day. So I thought that was a good training run for me when the event was originally supposed to be in 2020. So
0: you registered for the event like day one. I, you know, I've been stalking the people that have you know been on the <laughs> podcast, but it, you were the day it opened uh, in September of 19. So you've been in this from the beginning and stuck out the pandemic postponement and reschedule. but you, so you were ready to sign up. Clearly you were, you had your, your money in hand. And when it was announced, you were there. That.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I I've been following Cannonball events vicariously since probably 2010, uh, even before I won my first scooter. Uh, I was like, this sounds like a really cool event, and you know, just just you know, real life gets in the way and you can't always get put where you want to be. Uh, in, in any kind of motorsports event, uh, I'll use that term loosely here, but they say you know, getting to the starting line is the toughest thing. And, uh, you know, 2012 came along and I wasn't really quite ready as a rider. Um, 2014 came along and we had some family issues really from 2014 to really from 2018. So, you know, really just, I really didn't have the opportunity to do one. So um, I was, I was ready and raring to go. I'm like, look, my kids are older and yep. it's in the summertime. My wife's a school teacher. So, you know, I'm, I'm ready to go.
0: Yeah, everything and, kind of aligned then for, for what was then 2020 and 2021 kind of stayed within the same format but I mean you were consistently active in the online registered writers form which you know if you're not familiar with the event when you register you have access to a um, an area of the message board that is just for people who have And paid the fee to get in, but you were you were involved from the beginning and pretty consistently. Never really, you know, rocked the boat one way or the other. But from an organizer's perspective, you could there was never a doubt in my mind that you were, you know, you were not showing up in Bar Harbor. I mean, just by the the questions (laughs) and you seemed to be preparing in all the all the right ways. What was your approach, kind of up to the point of leaving your house and then shipping the bike to you know to to Maine to get to the starting line?
1: Yeah, and it really started pretty early you know it, it, the extra year certainly gave me a lot of time to do navigational preparation etc and that's a huge part of it beginning probably in probably december of 29 uh, 2020 uh january 21 i actually started doing some physical conditioning i you know i wanted to make sure i was going to be in shape so starting that months ahead of time before the before the event um really is the key and, and i wanted to be ready to make sure that i was you know, physically ready for 10 hours of, of seat time uh, a day, ten days in a row, because it could be very physically draining. I wound up losing about twenty-five pounds wow. um in those in those months. Um but if you start early enough, you don't have to lose it all in two months. Mainly Is just you,
0: diet and exercise or Yeah, it's
1: just it's just diet and exercise. And okay. and really the the secret to my diet was I just <laughs> I stopped drinking as much. That was a big part of it. <laughs> You know, and and I then I watched what I was eating. I mean, I just ate less of it. Um, you know, it was I I didn't really radically change my diet. Instead of eating three slices of pizza, I had two slices of pizza, oh, and instead of three beers, I only had one. You know, and, and not every day. So just a little um,
0: self discipline on the diet, and yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And, and some modest exercise. Nothing, okay, nothing crazy. All right, just so you eat. didn't you didn't go crazy. So you're, No. Nah. Okay, yeah, uh, but but you know, and then of course obviously you have to start preparing the bike early as as well now i i for the event i chose to ride i had a 2008 uh vespa gts 250 that i've had for i got it in 2015 interestingly enough i bought it in 2015 it was an 08 it only had 300 miles on it when i bought it because the person riding it decided they didn't want to ride it and parked it in a storage shed and that was it that was <laughs> you it. know so and and there it sat until i and, until i went and picked it up yeah. So, and that's you know, a very a,
0: proven cannonball bike, too. I mean, that you kind of know everything that can go wrong with it. you can get the parts and you can kind of look at it on a mileage scale and kind of understand you know what you need to do and where you may have problems on that bike and it's you know, yeah and
1: and the key part of that is that it's a well built machine. um it's not an everyday machine for me. I mean, it used to be when I was going back and forth to work. I would ride it most days to work, but um, you know, it, it's a, but it's a very solid machine. Probably the only specialty thing that I had done that I didn't do was, uh, I took it to the shop in Cincinnati, going to put a plug in for a uh, Metro scooter and Seth Hershey, uh, who finished fifth overall in this past year's event. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I had them do a valve adjustment for me because it's just not something I'm really equipped to do because you've got to do a lot it's uh, a thing. to get, to get, yeah, it's a, it's a little yep. bit more hassle and I had them drain my, coolant and i had them check my brakes and flush my brake system you know stuff that i wouldn't normally do in my garage but you can start prepping the bike you know probably a couple of months in advance um yeah. probably more than enough lead time depending on what you're capable of doing or what your shop availability so things like you know sh- you, you got to show up at the event with fresh tires you know if you show up at the event with old tires you're probably going to end up having a problem um, make, and make sure your brakes are in good shape. So I have brand new tires put on. I scrubbed them in, probably ran about 200 miles on those tires before I put it on the trailer and hauled it up. Um, so you're kind had, of
0: like a, like a like new condition. You replaced all the consumables of yeah. had them reasonably broken, you know, two tanks of gas. And were you mostly stock or did you have some aftermarket stuff?
1: Yeah, uh, the, the transmission had some aftermarket. I had an aftermarket variator from Melosi. I had a belt and a clutch from Melosi as well. So the whole transmission was, was, was Melosi. But, um, and I have a PM tuning exhaust on the bike. Um, but uh, you know, I say other than that, I had Melosi shocks that I bought several years ago that were well broken in but um, performing very well. So to say my bike was stock is not really true, but I hadn't done any any engine modifications. It was still the original cylinder, I'd never been off the bike. Um, changed the spark plug and the HT lead. That that was really about it, you know. So but what I would call fairly stock bike. Uh, I had not massaged the, you know, no fuel controllers yeah. or any craziness. Yeah. So the, uh,
0: the fuel tank was deliberate though. That was from the- <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yeah. So for those who don't know, um, yeah, I I did have an auxiliary fuel tank that I I bought distinctly for this event, um, (laughs) and and I salvaged it off the bike before the insurance company took it away. Um, We'll get to that. Uh, Yeah, it was a. And honestly, I had I had bought it back in probably early 2019 in anticipation of registering for the event in September in you know the fall. And I had actually kind of just put it in the back of the garage and kind of forgot about it. I had forgotten how big it was. I, I was doing one of my prep runs in, you know, April. I, I, I had a four hundred mile day, all all routed out. And uh, I'm going along, going along. I'm like, oh my my. I'm still looking at the gas gauge, and it's still reading full. And it's like, I've already, you know, I've, I've covered two hundred miles. How can the damn thing still be full? What's going on? And uh, finally, the gas gauge started going down, and, and uh, I pull in, and, I, and, I, and I'm watching how much I'm pumping into the bike, and it turns out to be like 5.1 gallons. And I'm like, that's not possible if that tank was 2.5 gallons, <laughs> um, because the stock tank is 2, two gallons, yeah. 2.1, something like that. So, yeah, so I realized that, yeah, it was a 3.5-gallon auxiliary fuel tank that I had there. The, the GTS, though, makes it, you know, after a lot of hemming and hawing about how I wanted to hook it up, it actually turned out to be really, really simple. And I how got did some, you do it? Really what it boiled down to is the where the GTS tank is positioned, the filler neck is right at the upper rear of the bike. So you open the seat up, and there's the filler, and there's the filler neck. Mm-hmm. Well, underneath the plastic shroud, there is a vent pipe that goes to the EVAP control system. Um, so all I did was I just simply unplugged the EVAP control system and put the supply line from the auxiliary tank into the vent on the filler neck. And then I reconnect and then I connected the vent line from the auxiliary tank to the line I had disconnected that goes to the EVAP system. So I still wound up with a closed loop system Mm -hmm. just with an extra setup, you know, sort of like a, a cow with seven stomachs. In this case, it was a, a GTS with two, with two stomachs. So did um, you
0: do the you, you fill up the main tank quick quick put the cap on shut the seat then fill up the aux tank to kind of eliminate air in the line or you yeah pretty yeah. much okay. that's all you yeah. need to do okay yeah. so you're uh, kind of on the on the good setup and you did the for the good setup the evap correctly
1: yeah and and you know keep it simple stupid it was it was my it was my mindset because my original design had some shutoff off valves and everything else I'm like every one of those is an opportunity for failure. So just you know, single lines, gravity fed. I really just left the at a you know fuel valve on the bottom of the of the tank, of the ox tank that I left open, and you know it just simply resupplies, re replenishes the main tank as as it burns down. I had one issue on day three where I had to burp the ox tank, but uh-huh. it was close enough. You know, I could reach behind and you know, <laughs> and and then it would flow in. And, and I only had to do I only had to do it once. I was like, well, you know, that's not such a bad idea. That's not such a bad gig. So yeah, it worked really well otherwise.
0: We didn't have a whole lot of auxiliary tanks in 21 because of the I think overall the miles, you know, so many days close to close to or over 500, even with an aux tank, you had to have some fuel strategy. So a lot of people just said, well, the hell, I, even with an aux tank, I, I still have to stop and get gas. Uh, we had... M- you know, a high an unusually high number of people carrying, you know, the the roto packs or, you know, some the jerry can, whatever it may be, but not to the not the same number of aux tanks. Now, as we look at the 2023, where we'll have eight days almost all under 400 miles, you can conceivably and easily kind of go start to finish without any fuel stops with an auxiliary tank. So I think looking ahead in 23, aux tanks are going to kind of swing back into, you know, into style.
1: And I think even at, I mean, I was, even with five and a half gallons on board, I was probably pushing my luck at 260 miles, you know, so even, even on shorter days, I would have to, I would have to stop for fuel. So, you know, I think, I think it's just one of those things like, well, if I get off, how long is it going to take me? And, you know, how many times am I going to have to get off the bike and stop and pay? You know, there was one scenario where there was a large group that stopped at a gas station. It was one of the checkpoints, I think, and they had some wonky payment system um, that I was able to bypass. You know, where, where you had you had to pump and then go in and pay. And um, it you does know, offer they got you some,
0: some flexibility there. And uh, you know, usually the strategy is you top off the aux tank where and and leaving yourself enough range to get to the finish line, so you you don't have to. Mess around with the whole fill up the the main tank, close the you know put the lid on quick, close the main you know the seat, and then fill up top off the uh, you know the bigger tank. So you're kind of putting the minimal amount of gas in that you need into the aux tank to finish the rest of the day without stopping for fuel guns. Usually the strategy,
1: but yeah, and even on the longest days, I I planned out my fuel stops pretty carefully. I knew exactly where I was going to stop each day. I had I had built out of the you know out of the GPS files, I built a turn by turn roll chart. Um, I, so I have some questions
0: think, on that. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> you know, I mean,
0: before we get there, how was the starting line? <laughs> how, um, Bar Harbor. I, so you 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 were with a group for a, like the, the Ohio Mafia. It was yourself. Uh, I'll probably miss a few. Blue uh, Bob, Blue um, Bob, Jim, Jim. Uh, yeah,
1: that, that was the, the three of that, us that, that came three? together. Okay. Yeah. Now there was another group of. There was another group. Um, Seth had a group coming from Cincinnati, yes. and then. And then, uh, Daniel on his Stella, um, was kind of a light, late ad. Very um, nice. yeah, he was a very late ad, but, uh, but uh, I enjoyed meeting him and, and having fun with him. Of course, my son drove, uh, we drove our support vehicle across. Um, so it, we had a really nice setup where we had, I borrowed a trailer from a club mate, um, and, and, and used my SUV and we had a roof carrier (laughs) you know to pack a whole bunch of crap in um yeah so i I loved i you mentioned earlier i was i was one of the early ones signed up to go and i was pretty active on the on the board and and you know the community that the online community is really really gracious and accepting very little sniping but in person it's even better um you know you see and you see all these variety of bikes i remember first pulling into the hotel and the first thing I saw was two Super Cubs with trailers. And I, I literally just had to stop. And like, I, I was like, holy crap, that's fucking awesome. Yep. <laughs> you know, I was not expecting to see that. I knew there were going to be some people with Super Cubs on this event. But to see them all ready rigged to go with the trailer to be self-sufficient, that was really, really cool to see as the first thing. So,
0: And the, the, the way that, were you at the Holiday Inn or were you across the street at the other one?
1: No, I was at the Holiday You were
0: at the Holiday Inn, and they had, it was like a, a sprawling, almost campus. So they had all of the, like, all the Cannonball participants in one, like, separate building and kind of parking lot area. And I, I got in late Friday night, and I remember waking up Saturday morning and walking out, and it was just a, a parking lot, just zoo of scooters. And, and yeah. it, it, was, it, was, it was pretty neat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I loved it when we first rolled in. We got in probably Saturday afternoon. Um, yeah, we stayed overnight in the Albany area. Yeah, we had it was a very nice facility, and you know it was, it, the parking lot was laid out pretty nicely. Kraken was rebuilding his his vintage and under a under a canopy at the end, <laughs> you know, making sure we got to get to the starting line.
0: So how was the starting line? I mean, you Monday morning at six thirty a.m. We do the group photo. Were you any any nervousness, any anxiety? We had Lynn on last week, and we we kind of dived it, dove into this a little bit, but. How how was how was that for you?
1: Um, I was excited and a little bit nervous, but I, okay. I I I actually remember I I did a FaceTime recording for some folks that are on, on Facebook, and, and I was like I, I remember saying it was the most excited I've been since my wedding day. <laughs> uh, no no offense to my children being born, but um, yeah you know I I I was really really excited to do this. This was an event I've been looking forward to participating in for over a decade. So I, I was really, really excited to be at the starting line. And I remember talking to my son. Um, we were up on that little knoll, grassy knoll, if you will, mm-hmm. overlooking that parking lot and over the harbor. And I remember leaning over to my son. It's like, take it all in, because this is probably the only time you're going to see all of us together like this. Yep. Because people are going to be staying at different hotels overnight, and people are going to drop out. People are not going to make it to the finish line. And so this is the one point in time where you're going to see all of the scooters gathered together. You're going to see all of the people gathered together. And it was really, really neat to see us all in there. And and it was funny because we were a little bit late. Jim and I were a little bit late getting out of the parking lot at the hotel. And so we roll in, and and there's already, you know, 40 Forty-five, maybe fifty bikes sitting there already, and seeing people streaming into the into this little town—it was—it was really amusing.
0: You had the best raw time overall for the first three days, and it, you were also a rookie. I mean, this is your first time in the event. You, you finished third overall with the handicap adjustment. You had the, the fastest time that day. Uh, that's not easy. I mean, you, you managed to really keep your shit together on day one, and it was—I mean—the first three days were the hardest. Navigation days of the entire event. I mean, day one and two, uh, we yeah. we had a we had a million different turns. Um, yeah. I have personally have always done very well on the navigation, and this was my sixth time doing it. And I, the first fifty miles were were complete disaster <laughs> so uh, and and and, and, and yeah. you, you were you were going up against you know scott and julie were really were the you're you know the, the two that you were competing against you know on those very they were very day.
1: well prepared well they were very well prepared yes. and highly skilled writers i had the opportunity to ride behind them for a little bit and i can see julie in action firsthand and let me tell you, her, her riding style is, is very, very good. Her form is very good. Yes. I mean, she's just an excellent rider. And even though I was on a bigger scooter, she was on an S-Max 155, I was on a 250, um, and I was hauling extra fuel so I didn't have to stop as often. My raw time for the full day was only six minutes better than hers. And then on day two, I was only 21 minutes better. And day three, I was only 23 minutes better. Mm-hmm. So realistically, if you put me on an S Max with no aux tank, she's kicking my ass. So, I mean, she, that's was, just she was
0: way too modest in her, uh, the scooter affair podcast and, you know, stop on this one about I mean, She, she was a, she was a great rider. I mean, it, she, she's first to say that, you know, she wasn't, you know, the best navigator, but, uh, she wasn't, she was a hell of a rider. But you were, I, you know, you and I played tag off and on, I think all three days, definitely the first two days. I think you passed me when I had my speeding ticket. But
1: yeah, I remember laughing at you. Yeah. I you, but but I you're but a hell I of a passer,
0: play. too. And I, and I don't mean that like in a way that you're, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, there may have been a pass or two that it was illegal, but you were very efficient and at kind of filtering through traffic and identifying opportunities to pass legally while you're 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 making with and you know days one and 2 were on all, all these back you know, back roads through new york and vermont new hampshire and you know pennsylvania and yeah. Ohio so, some places
1: and, well first of all the, rides, the riding too. routes the riding routes were really brilliant i mean i, I really love riding through uh maine uh, the the kankamongas uh highway through new hampshire on day one was amazing i would never been in that area of the country so it was really amazing but you know you mentioned the navigation being complicated. Well, I did I did roll charts for each day. And Maybe explain what a, charts,
0: yeah, what a roll chart is, too, for people that yeah, may not so,
1: know. So a roll chart is basically turn-by-turn turn directions. Um, for me, the way I... And it was inspired mostly by vintage rally racing um, and also enduro, where those are events that are currently ongoing that, that don't allow for GPS. So... And basically, it's just a turn-by-turn turn direction that tells you where to turn and how far to go.
0: And if you haven't it pieced this together, it's, it's a clear plastic box with a little wheel and some, like <laughs> s- some cigarette paper inside <laughs> with turns. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it's just, yeah, and you just rotate, okay. the, yep. you just rotate the, the thumb wheel as you go along. But it also enabled me to put visual clues for each turn. So I knew not only what the street name was, how far I was gonna travel on it. I also had a landmark for instance, you know, maybe it's a gas station or maybe it's a church or farm silos or something like that. Now I had visual clues for virtually every turn. So I knew where I was the whole time along, the whole time I was going along. So this kind of
0: supplemented your GPS. So you had your GPS route and so you were kind of, did you find the the roll chart to be at all like distracting from the ride or was it just minimal enough but had you know, enough data, enough directional data. If the GPS completely failed, you'd still be okay. But you, it feels like you also had some, like, hey, it's where the GPS is going to tell you you're going to turn right at the Valero or the, the gas station up here. The roll chart maybe connected some of that, or am yeah. I overthinking oh, what you did?
1: No, you're precisely right. So it, it would, it was, it acted as a supplement to the GPS in case I did have a failure. Um, and I had a backup GPS with the with the routes already loaded in in the support vehicle, not on <laughs> okay. the bike, but in the support vehicle. Um, but you know, it enabled me also because you know a lot of times you get going along and you're just droning along. Some of these segments, you know, it's like turn left on this road and go 30 miles. Well, you get cannonball brain, is what I call it, right? You might be listening to music or the droning or wind noise or whatever. You might miss the turn, but. For me, what I could do was, because the world chart would tell me how far it was to my next turn, then I could look at the trip meter and do the calculation say, well, what is my trip odometer telling me? So if I'm making a turn and my trip odometer is reading 200 miles, and I make that turn it's telling me I've got to go 7.5 miles to my next turn, then I do the math quickly in my head and say my trip odometer at 207.5, I'm going to be making a turn.
0: So you're, you're, con- you're constantly running the numbers, if nothing I'm, else, just to kind of keep your, your mind into the ride.
1: That's exactly yeah. it. It, okay. can't, it just kept me sharp, kept me going yep. throughout the course of the day. And, um, you know, to avoid that cannonball brain like I talked about a moment ago.
0: And you're not, I mean, you have the fuel tank too, so your stops now are.
1: Yeah, and, and yeah. On that I don't mind. I was talking okay. to one of my clubmates. Uh, put a plug in here from my scooter club gem city rollers here in dayton ohio mm-hmm. uh, one of my club mates uh, was telling me it's like you need to be over it. it's like I, I, this is this is an event that taylor made for me because i love just getting on the bike and going yep. when i when i lead group rides i have to be very cognizant it's like oh we probably need to stop singing you know we've been on the bikes yeah. for you know an hour hour and 15 minutes people need to stop and stretch their legs but for me I was, I, I'm able to sit on the bike and go for hours and hours at a time, just because my bike was pretty comfortable. <laughs> so, and it just suits me well.
0: So I think that day two, you complete, day two is the day that if you, if you left later in the morning, you you hit the real nasty late afternoon thunderstorms that, you know, took out the trees and blocked the road and, you know, yeah. that whole thing that kind of. Impacted half the, <laughs> half the riders, but you know, I think that day. I mean, you were you were up up and at it, right? But I mean, all three days, four days. Did you yeah, have I, a roommate? Were you, were you solo, or is it just you and her son? Or
1: it was just it was just me and, and, and my son Cameron. Okay, so you. Um, so, so, what was your
0: morning like? Routine prep here because
1: you were yeah. you were on the road. Yeah, um, and the and the idea was to be on the road between six okay. fifteen and six thirty every day. Um, I think Julie mentioned in her podcast. Um their their plan was to be up about on the road, maybe about 30 minutes before sunrise each day. That way you've got a little bit light. Um so it just depends on what you're what you're are you a really early morning person. But yeah, you do need to get out early um, because otherwise you, you may have a very long day in front of you. Um but my morning mostly consisted of like getting in the shower real early, right? Waking up. Um one of the things I, I stress uh, about um, with a lot of riders is make sure you stay hydrated. So, I would I would literally just guzzle down about 16 to 18 ounces of water every morning. I put like a powdered vitamin mix in it, you know, so B12 and B6 and whatnot, and just and I would chug that every morning because you you know just as a hedge against gets being dehydrated um but yeah you, you're gonna forego the the free breakfast at the, at the hotels every morning they were hit or miss uh,
0: anyways this year
1: yeah they were i think they were my son even mentioned something to me the other day that they were all grabbed bag. yeah um you know at every hotel so it's not like i was missing out on much um but i was prepared for that and
0: know. rain doesn't i mean you're you're ohio you're you're used to inclement weather that no issue for you
1: yeah yeah we had a lot of rain uh the first couple of days matter of fact i remember commenting it was at the uh it was at the photo stop at the white birch barn on day three. Oh yeah and uh i took my helmet off and there were some people there from from ohio you know there to greet us and whatnot and uh it was the i actually changed out and i joked with one of the people i was like we're on day three halfway through day three and it's the first time i put my sunglasses on because <laughs> i didn't need them until no. then but yeah, uh, I, I don't like the ride in the rain, but I don't mind it. So I've done a lot of riding in the rain. I've been on long trips, Dayton to Memphis for a We were in a humongous downpour. Um, you gotta, so it's, it's not a part of your planning,
0: style. though. It's just you're you feel con- you, going into the event. You you did nothing extra for you know rain or for for weather riding. No. It's just, just yeah okay. So the the morning of day four, uh, I remember we were in Traverse City. It rained. I mean, it rained overnight. It stormed from from around seven, 7, 8 o'clock the night before. I mean, some massive thunderstorms coming in off Lake Michigan. And uh, so it was a very wet night. Um, we had some high winds, and that morning was was pretty wet. I remember you, I mean, there were a lot of, I have, I have a photo, so I should, I should get it out on the Instagram or uh, this is an upcoming photo, but there were a lot of riders that morning, you know, 5 a.m. It was unusual kind of congregated that the hotel there was great. They, you know, they partitioned oh, out the yeah. parking lot. They allowed all of us to just completely take over the, the overhang kind of yeah, pull up.
1: Th- they did a really yeah. nice job for us. Yeah, so it was, we were if,
0: if you picture your typical Marriott, you know, it it's what, four cars. I mean, we had bikes that were parked in like, like the welcome mat. I mean, they, they were great, but we were, we were packed in there. I mean, to get out, it, they were like airplanes, you know, pushing out of, you know, out of, out of O'Hare kind of thing. So I remember you left and I was like, Oh God, like I was on the fence because I'm a I get up at a certain time, I do my routine, and whatever and I go to the bike, and whatever the time is is what the time is. And I, I just that's what I that's what I've always done. I was <laughs> debating not going. And I'm like, but I've always like I get up and I go. And if it's wet and and I remember you rolled out and you you well you left around what five, five fifteen?
1: Uh, no, it was even earlier than that, I think. Um um, it might have been just before five. I remember waking up. I, re- I remember waking up really early uh, in anticipation. I'm like, and I'm looking. I'm checking the weather radar, and I can see that there's this huge band of red and green and yellow coming our way, coming off the lake. And I'm like, well, if I get out ahead of this, then I won't have to worry so much about it. And it was already raining. It was. It was. It was a. It was a decent rain. It was, I would say, it was a modest rain, but it wasn't real hard. But it had been raining all night, yep. um, so the pavement was all wet and everything. But yeah, I decided I was going to get out early and beat that and whatnot. So away I went in the dark, and it was dark. Yeah.
0: And it was <laughs> and a dark I, ride. It was the tunnel of trees along the upper west northwest coast of Michigan. It was a literally like a tunnel of trees uh, for yeah. a good portion of this. So yeah,
1: and and, and I came across a lot of deer. You know, you can see the eyes reflecting and then they jump across. Um, there was, <laughs> and I know I was probably the first one out because there were tree branches. There were a lot of tree branches on the road. And I came upon one and, and I actually pulled one out of the way, knowing that there were going to be other people. Um, the other one, and I couldn't, I couldn't get around it. It was a completely across. So I did pull it out of the way enough for me to ride around. There was another one that I couldn't move, but I was able to ride over the end of it um so you know it was it was really really early when i left that was probably my own biggest regret is i left so early i really didn't get a chance to see that part of the scenery because petoskey and Charlevoix, that area that overlooks the the lake on the west coast of the lower peninsula really beautiful area so I, i kind of missed out on that
0: yeah, I was about a half hour ish, maybe behind you. And by the time I got there, you know, this, but it was like a just a rolling, nasty fog and off the off the lake. And it, like you said, the, the trees were still down by seven a.m. Going through there, I think uh, power lines. Eventually, part of it was closed. I think the utility or some some sort of township municipality got out to make some effort at clearing the road. But most most people kind of picked their way through that. So you made it to. There was a bonus point at uh, Goodhart's Journal Store, and then we had mm-hmm. a checkpoint at Celia Bay yeah. Trading yeah. Post. Yeah. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. after that, we kind of made our way, we rounded the top of the mitten there towards Mackinac. And how, how'd that go?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Setting me up, but, um, Set Setting you up,
0: I don't know how else to do yeah, it, but-
1: so, so- um,
0: I know how it ended.
1: <laughs> yeah, it ended very badly. So I was, uh, I was in a section. I was actually, as part of my navigation, and you're free oh. to do this as a cannonballer, right? I, I had optimized my route. So after I had hit the Good Heart store, um, I was off the official route. Um, so I was, I was a little bit further inland than what normally would have been on that, uh, on the official route, and kind of on my own. I was just rolling along. I was probably, you know, but I, it was still wet. Uh, But it wasn't actively raining. Um, The sun had started to come up, though, so it was probably about 7 a.m., I guess, maybe. Um, So the flat light. And as I'm going down this pretty straight stretch of road, I notice that, you know, the pavement's not in great shape. So I'm, you know, watching myself doing—I'm not going at a breakneck speed. But as I approach a crossroad, there's a little rise in the road. I cross over, and suddenly there's a pretty good-sized pothole Mm -hmm. there, about— three four inches deep but probably about 20 inches in diameter um and um the the front end of the bike went in and as it came out the front end popped up and i can i do remember very distinctly the bike beginning to rotate over to the left off vertical and when the front end came back down it washed it lost traction and just washed out and uh, i hit the pavement pretty hard um wound up uh hitting on the left shoulder and left hip pretty hard, um, bounced and then hit my right side, then rolled over and kind of slid down uh, down the road, head first on my back, probably about 35, 40 feet. Um, wound up breaking my left arm at the top of the humerus bone, right underneath the ball joint. Um, also discovered later on that I have micro fractures in that ball joint. Um, Cracked some ribs on my left side, broke broke a couple of bones in my right hand when it smacked the ground. Um, had a very badly bruised hip, um, you know. And I was I was in bad shape <laughs> for, for everything
0: Man. you just listed there. You were in pretty good shape, it seemed mentally, or maybe. It, so so I came across you. I don't know how long, looking back from when you had gotten to like this I
1: don't know this hot dog stand, hot in, the dog Mackinac stand in Mackinac I, yeah.
0: City it's like weird do yeah, so had some sort of point name, but you rode from where you went down though another was it
1: five ten miles it was, it was actually 15 15? I've gone back I've gone back and looked through and it's actually about it was almost 15 miles exactly from my accident scene to the foot of the Mackinac Bridge in Mackinac City and um, I, I was very soon after my accident, about five minutes after my accident. I flagged a driver down. He was on his way to work. He helped me get the bike up. I was not quite in the ditch, but he helped me get it back out uh, and get it up on a side stand, and, and I bid I him adieu. And as I'm bidding him do, I get my phone out and realize I have no cell service. So, nothing you know, I'm, there there's nothing there. I can't text. I certainly can't call anybody. And I'm off the official route. Now, Odds are somebody prob- somebody else might have come along and, and and found me, but I hung around for about 15 minutes weighing my options. And finally, I decided I'm going to go ahead and see if I can ride to where I know I'm going to be able to call for help. And, and so I, I looked on my GPS and on my phone. And it's was like, all right, um, I'll just follow along the route until I get to just under 75 runs right there um, to go up to the bridge. So I was able to get on the bike. I was fortunate in that the the handlebars have been twisted so far to the left because I honestly could barely move my arm. So I'm short arming it like my my just counter steering one way almost, or the other. But yeah, the, yeah. Hand, the hand is in the chest and my right arm oh. is all the way out in front of me. You know, so you know the steering wheel is you know the the handle grip is is, is way off kilter, and I'm doing like. 15 miles an hour because i realize it's wet and if i go down again i'm gonna be really screwed yeah. um i actually did miss a turn. <laughs> <The new laughs> turn i was so pissed i was like oh my god oh! Oh. and uh yeah there's a little there's a little grocery store there a little little corner store at bliss michigan as a as a an orange root beer sign, something I remembered from my, uh, from my street view navigation prep. And so I knew I had made the wrong turn. Um, There's also a graveyard right next to it. uh, So, you know, I made my way to the, to the hot dog stand uh, off of right there at 75 and and called my son and said, Hey, I'm screwed up. I wrecked. I'm screwed up. You're going to need to come get me. Uh, And, and I, I, he's told he, he's told me after the fact, like, you didn't tell me you had to go to the hospital.
0: You did not. I remember he was, <laughs> I couldn't tell if he was upset with, like, like, there was concern for you and your well-being as his dad, or if he was just pissed that you fucked up his trip. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, it may have been a combination of two things, you know. He's like, I'm going um, to
0: California. I don't know if he had, like, a like a lady lined up in each city or whatever, but he was not happy. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, so – and, and that, was, that was a concern later in the day but, um David, you stuck around. You hung around and helped load the bike onto the uh, – on, onto the trailer, thankfully. And then it was a little selfish,
0: though. I was able to go and buy a, a warm or a dry t shirt from the gas station, across the street, and a snack. I'm like, well, help. <laughs> I'm going to sit here for 30 minutes. He's, I mean, he's smiling there with, with his busted body. I'm going to, I'm going to grab a, get a, a hot pocket.
1: Yeah, I, I was, I was still, I was still running on pure adrenaline, I guess, at you, that point. You because,
0: definitely were. You had me help you remove the glove, and I, I'm, I'm, yeah. and there's your pinky nail, and I'm like, oh. it, it took a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you were. Yeah. I think you were kind of then assessing your situation. Um yeah, Maybe coming a little uh, bit more in tune with your injury, <laughs> connecting with your injuries. Because I
1: honestly thought, you know, like as I as, at, at the crash scene, I'm getting back on the bike. It's like my shoulder really hurts, my hand really hurts. And I'm like, I've dislocated my shoulder before. and I was like, this feels a little bit different, but you know, if it's just dislocated, my hand's just a little messed up. You know, I'll, I'll ride in the car to the overnight stop, and we'll straighten out the handlebars, and I'll continue on. <laughs> I'll continue on for the remaining days.
0: Power wash all the, <laughs> all yeah, the grass yeah. and shit off uh, your bike. We'll use that as the, uh, the photo for this episode.
1: There you go. I wasn't even going to wash the bike. I was just like, thank you know? me. Just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll ride I'll Number day. seven. Yeah. Oh, man. Odd. Yeah, so I, I, did, so I spent uh, nine weeks in, in a sling waiting for my arm to heal. Um, and I spent four months in a brace slash hand cast uh, waiting for my hand to heal. So I just started rehabbing my hand a couple of weeks ago. That's going okay. Um, my shoulder though is in pretty good shape. I mean, if I had to get on a bike and ride 10 hours, I could do it. Yeah, I mean, this is
0: just a <laughs> that was early Jan- July, and we're now yep. here in, in, you know, late December. You, you're yeah. you must have a, a very patient and loving wife
1: because <laughs> well, I think it was, I it would was,
0: not not be so kind for a cannonball uh related accident at this point <laughs> no, yeah, she was,
1: she, well you know of course while I'm at the parking lot after I've called Cameron uh to come and get me I called my wife and of course she's like freaking out and I'm like look we're gonna go to the hospital it's on the other side of the bridge I couldn't ride that far yeah. um I I thought briefly while I'm while I'm at the hot dog stand before I called Cameron I was like I had my four dollars for the for the toll like yes. in my pocket ready to go. Um and I was like, I don't think I can ride seven miles across steel grated bridge uh in potential in potentially high winds. So I was like, yeah, so I decided, you know, I'll just so I you know I had to tell her, you know, it's like look, the hospital's on the other side of the bridge, we'll know more in a couple of hours, but I'll keep in touch. Um, kind of thing, but you know, my my darling wife Jennifer, she's a school teacher. She was off for the summer, so it was really critical those first few weeks that she was at home because there was very little I could do for myself. Um, it, you know, and it's just it's it's just the reality. You know, there's inherent risk involved in our hobby, and I know people who have been badly injured just a few miles from their house. Uh, yeah. Or on an everyday ride. And I wasn't the first person to be severely injured on this particular trip. Um, on no, day you survived one,
0: day one. Yeah.
1: You know, on day one, somebody had a really bad incident. And actually, Lou, one of, one of the Ohio clan, actually was there yeah. on scene uh, to help Corny uh, in his immediate need. So, you know, it's not without risk, and and you try to mitigate that as much as you can with wearing good gear and and hopefully some decent training. Um, You know, this is the first really bad accident I had in over 50,000 miles of riding. And it's not like that 50,000 miles was me going back and forth on my commute. I mean, I've done long trips to North Carolina and Memphis and Wisconsin uh, riding the whole way. So, you know, it's just, you know, so and it wasn't like I was riding at breakneck speed, relatively speaking, I was riding relatively reasonable <laughs> at the point of my accident. Um, you know, I, I had an officer pull me over in Pennsylvania uh, on day two, had me doing 70 in a 35 zone passing an Amish buggy. Um,
0: Welcome to Pennsylvania. That,
1: yeah, yeah. Pennsylvania so. got me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, uh, it happens. You uh, know, you get a little bit uh, overzealous and uh, decide to, to, you know, go for it. Yeah.
0: After a while, I mean, on the scooter, it's, you know, you're you're holding it wide open so you can do 45 miles an hour up a hill in Pennsylvania. You know, and that, that same throttle position you know, on a scooter is now you're doing 70 and a 35 and you don't even you realize you're going fast, but it's. It's very. It's actually very easy to unintentionally, I think, speed on a on a scooter, but
1: uh, especially especially on a on a two hundred and fifty or larger. Um, these you know these scooters are capable of highway speeds, and I've ridden mine on the highway uh, several times. I don't like to. It's my least favorite type of riding to do on the interstate, but it's capable of doing it more than capable of doing it in many cases so yeah it is easy to start getting going and all of a sudden you realize oh crap
0: (laughs) (laughs) so we're coming up on an hour but what aside from you know crashing and hitting a pothole um taking yourself out what what would you what would you do differently kind of looking back at least on those three days which were were very well executed well performed well ridden three days any any kind of changes regrets
1: um, I don't think there any changes I would make in regards to riding style or preparation. Uh, I mean, and I've been thinking about this for 23 and maybe another trip uh, in 22 that I might take. It, I would probably add a satellite communicator, some sort of emergency beacon kind of thing, uh, because if I had been really any worse uh, off, I would have been in really serious trouble. Um, not being able to communicate, um, and there there were several spots um, along the way uh, in the remaining days that did not were going to have cell service for quite a while. Um, so that's probably the one thing I would probably add to my kit and, and, and probably change as far as basic equipment is concerned. Mm-hmm. But
0: just a, like a head to toe rundown, what 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 was your gear? <laughs>
1: yep yeah, so I, I was wearing a, a modular style helmet with a flip chin bar and that helps me get a drink a snack talk with others um, I happen to have a no one uh, on my head at the time but there are plenty of other great great helmets out there um, my jacket um, was again a motorcycle specific jacket but it was uh, textile mesh to flow a lot of air um, with armor at the elbow shoulders and I had upgraded my back armor um, but you know, I see people riding around with just traditional jackets, and 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 that's fun. You know, first off, let me preface: gear is a personal choice. But um, I'm an at gap proponent. I'm gonna I'm gonna you know, somebody ask my opinion, I'll be like armor head to toe. Um, and, and some people may not like that, but you know, motorcycle jackets are specifically tailored for the riding position. So they've got some stretch panels in the shoulders and in the elbows and the arms to make riding more comfortable and then with the armor properly positioned. Um, I was I was wearing a, a Tourmaster jacket. I had Tourmaster pants with a zip connector uh, to the jacket um, with hip and knee armor. Um, you know, one item is gloves. I see people riding around with gardening gloves or, you know, roping gloves or whatever, and that's fine. That's great personal choices. But, you know, motorcycle-specific gloves, again, are tailored. You know, they'll have a curvature. The fingers will be will taper as well to make controls work a little nicer. A lot of them now have um, touch-sensitive fingertips to use with GPS and phones, so you don't have to take your gloves off to to manipulate uh, your electronic devices. Um, And I had armored boots on. I'm glad I did. I had, you know, over the ankle. Um, If I hadn't had that on, I probably— my left ankle got trapped under my body as I'm sliding down the road. Um, If I hadn't had those boots on, I would have had a really big problem with my ankle. And then, um, you know, something that gets overlooked a lot is um, I had a neck gaiter on. Um, And and what that does is it it protects your neck primarily from getting sunburned. Um, Your neck is a high contact area with your clothes, your jacket, your, your helmet. If that gets sunburned or if it gets hit with a bug or a stone or other debris, it can get irritated really fast. and can make you miserable. And so, you know, having a neck gaiter on to, to block that debris, and you can get some that even have that cooling, you wet it down, and it's, you know, got a cooling effect on a really hot day, um, it can make a big difference in your comfort level. So that's something that, uh, that people don't think about very often. And they're really pretty affordable, and you can find them in most retail outlets now. And then, of course, you want and then, of course you want decent rain gear. Now, my rain gear, I was cobbled together. I had a, I had an old stern sailing jacket with a hood that was waterproof, and then I had some some blue nylon running pants that I sprayed down with uh, Camp Dry tent treatment uh, to to keep them waterproof. Um, so, you, you know, you you can cobble together your gear as as, as you want, but um, you know, if you don't have all all the gear. If I didn't, if I wasn't wearing all this gear when I went down, I would have had a significantly worse set of injuries. So I'll be looking. I'll be shopping for new gear <laughs> in, the, in the near future. Uh, I still haven't done that yet because I am just now to the point where I can actually put a jacket on, and I can put a helmet on, you know, without wrecking my hand and my shoulder. So uh, I'll be doing that, you know, probably in the next few months.
0: Yeah, and the insurance process all kind of worked out as it does. They they totaled yeah. the bike and
1: you yeah took for the, the most payout. part yeah I, I took payout on the bike because you know looking at it, it didn't seem that bad but actually I uh, I, I got uh, some expert opinion from Seth who, who runs a dealership in Cincinnati um, and, and he's like yeah that bike's totaled yeah <laughs> you know, he didn't really have to look very closely at it and, and there could be any number of things that are going on with that bike that I just didn't want to deal with but. Uh, funny enough, though, is that somebody, um, you know, within 100 miles actually bought the bike from the auction, from the salvage auction, mm-hmm. and reached out to me via via Facebook Messenger. So
0: That's ah, like a famous I, bike now. So,
1: so I was talking to him. You know, I was texting back and forth with him, letting him. It's like, this is what I've done to the bike. This is what's on the bike, you know, and, and you know. You can go from there. <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> well, maybe it'll be uh, there in 2023. What do you What are you thinking about riding next time? Is that it just cease, in terms of CCs, or do you 250? You're uh, you going to 150,
1: or I'm not sure yet. Um, I know I probably will not be riding a GTS 250. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll 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 buy another GTS 250, but I'm not. I don't think I'm willing to sacrifice another uh, to risk sacrificing another uh, to the cannonball gods. So. Um, I mean, i have got ai got a, I've got a nineteen eighty P two hundred that I'm Ah. seriously considering. All right, Um, and I still have my kitted fly uh, as well. I can get that up and running. Maybe I ride that. So yeah, maybe I I get something else. So thirty
0: one hundred miles at most, eight days. So I mean, you can. Some people are shorter. You know, the last one was five hundred miles, this and that. But well, then ride something smaller. Like if you want to sit there seven hours or eight hours, ride this. If you want to sit there for longer or you want more of a challenge, then, you know, make your own adventure here. You can pick yeah. a, at that distance range, you can kind of ride almost anything. Ride a 50 again, like Oz and Aaron did in, in 2010, if, you, if you'd if like. Yeah, so,
1: um, I did see, I, you know, I've been actively looking at bikes. I saw an Aprilia SR50. I was like, hmm, wonder what kind of cannonball bike that might make. <laughs> you <Yeah, laughs> know, but, but, but you're right. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of comfort involved there and everything else. I, I, I chose the 250 because it was going to be the most comfortable for me on this event. So, yeah, it's tough to say what I might be riding in 23. Um, and I, I'm, I'm definitely going to be leaning towards 23. If I don't do 23, I'll do 24.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much. And uh, Thanks, keep in touch. Happy holidays to you. Merry Christmas.
1: And, um, Merry Christmas. And happy holidays to everyone else out there. Yep. Yeah.